Hello, and welcome to the podcast of Emmanuel Assemblies of God in Knoxville, Tennessee. We're so glad you've taken the time to listen. If you're ever in our area, we invite you to join us for one of our worship services. For times and locations, please visit at EmmanuelAG.com. All right, many of you guys know Pastor Randy Carter. I just wanted to say, as as an introduction to him, he'll be sharing today. Um, He has been such an awesome encouragement and support. Pastor Michael um, introduced me to him as we were going through the transition. And I'm telling you, him and Nancy, you guys have just been so encouraging. Every time I see them, they always are so encouraging. So I just want to thank you for that. And if you guys have not had the chance to meet them, please get to meet them. They're awesome people. And uh, grab them as they're on their way out the door. Chase them into the parking lot if you have to. And uh, just get to know them. They're awesome. Uh, you've, you've, uh, how long did you preach in Jacksboro? Jackson. I said, ja- roll off the tongue. Jackson. Yeah, he is a founding and not the founding, but he pastored that church for 26 and a half years and is retired. So how many of you guys know it's good for young people like me to have people who are experienced in their lives? <laughs> I'm just trying to maintain that young position. <laughs> um, it's so great, but you guys are encouragement. So as he comes, would you welcome him to share the word today? Thank you. So experience, uh, I can re- I have the gift of interpretation. That, that just means old. That means old, and I am old. So, hey, we love your pastors, and we love y'all. And uh, when we're not ministering somewhere, we've had the privilege of being here and worshiping with you, and it's always a delight and an honor. Open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Today is Communion Sunday. And I love Communion Sunday. After pastoring for 26 and a half years, we don't, we just had the privilege. They're going to give you a fork if you'll just keep that. Don't use it to eat your uh, donuts or anything, okay? Just hold it for a few minutes. But after pastoring for 26 and a half years, you can't do something that long. Altogether, pastored 46 years now. I started when I, before I was born. And, uh, uh, I, I miss pastoring, but the thing I miss the most are celebrating the sacraments with the church. In the Assemblies of God, we practice two sacraments, Holy Communion and water baptism. And as a guy that travels, we don't get to do that very often. Often we even miss communion throughout the whole month. Uh, and so today, your pastor has given me the privilege of leading Emmanuel in celebration of the Lord's Supper today. So that's where we'll conclude this service. We, uh, several years ago, Nancy and I and our two daughters, we have two daughters, one's an attorney in Washington, D.C. They needed one more attorney up there, so we sent her. She's a graduate of UT here in Knoxville. And um, then we have another daughter that lives on the West Knoxville, over close to where we live, and uh, she has two grandbabies. They're the reason we're in Knoxville right now. And uh, we prayed, Lord, where do you want us to live when we retire? And I said, Jack, I said, Knoxville. He said, yes, that's what I was thinking. So, so uh, we love those girls and get to see them every day. But a couple years ago, we were on vacation. And uh, we always go to church on vacation. Some people say, well, I don't go to church on vacation. Well, I don't go to church because I have to. I go to church because I get to. I love church. And there have been times when I've gone to three services on a Sunday morning because I love church so much. Nancy, not so much. She'll say, come get me for the last one. 
And, uh, but I've done that many times. And this time we found an Assembly of God church in this town in North Carolina. And we got there uh, in between the services, the schedule that was in the phone book. And this was actually before we had, you know, smartphones. We just had stupid phones back then. And uh, so we'd looked in the phone book and found the schedule, but the schedule had changed. And so we walked in right in the middle of Sunday school, and no one spoke to us. There were people in the lobby, but no one spoke to us. We finally went in the auditorium and sat down, and Sunday school finished. And again, one person, I think, spoke to us, and then they started the service. And you knew it was a special day. They were getting ready to celebrate Heaven's Gates, Hell's Flames. I don't know if any of you have ever seen that program. It's, it's about scaring you into, in, out of hell into heaven. It, is what it's about, if you want to know the truth. They, they figure out ways to kill people off, and, um, and just before they die, they get saved. So, but they were having that that night, and it's quite a production. And uh, so they were having a practice that afternoon. All through the service, they mentioned that practice, how we have to hurry this morning. But they went forever. They went a long, long, long time in the uh, worshiping through music. And then a girl got up that was going to, uh, on a missions trip, one of the girls from the church there, and they were real proud of her, and rightfully so. They let her share, and then they received an offering from her. And then the guest that was leading Hell's, Heaven's Gates, Hell's Flames, he preached that morning, and probably five or six times in his message, he said, I got to hurry this morning. You know, when the pastor says, I got to hurry this morning, that means it's going to be a really long morning, Okay. And uh, it was. He preached for over an hour. And uh, by the time uh, they had the altar time and turned it back to the pastor, the service had gone close to two hours already. And they kept saying, we've got to hurry because we've got to come back and practice for tonight. And, and it was just a kind of a rush feeling. And when the pastor got back up, he said this. He said, it's the first Sunday of the month, and that's Communion Sunday. We always celebrate communion on the first Sunday of the month. And so he said, we're going to do that today. I know the hour's late, but we're going to celebrate communion. The ushers came down the aisle on roller skates. They started throwing communion cups at everybody. And I promise you, it was the fastest communion service that I've ever been part of in my life. We, we you know, swallowed the bread whole. We drank the cup and one, and one thing. And, and at the end, he prayed and we all went home. Everything was given time except communion. And I went away from that service. I always try to learn wherever I'm at, good things and bad things. And I went away from that service feeling disappointed, feeling a little cheated that we didn't have time to really reflect on what the communion service meant. It was wham, bam, out of here, we're gone. And, and I felt a little bit upset, but I was upset more for the Lord. Because when we come together for communion, we do it in remembrance of him. But we didn't have any time to remember him. It was about get it done, get it out of here. It's the first Sunday we're going to have communion. So I made up my mind that we would never have a drive-through communion in our church. We celebrated communion at least once a month. Sometimes we'd sell it two or, th two or three, maybe four times, four weeks in a row, because we believe in the importance of communion. But every time we celebrated it, we made sure it wasn't an add-on because it's the fourth Sunday here at Emmanuel when you celebrate or because it's the first Sunday when other church. We did it because it was time to remember the Lord. And so today I want to encourage you 
to, I'm going to rush through my message. What does that mean? You're here for a while, okay? You're, you're here until we get done, but I don't think it'll be long. But because we want to celebrate and spend time around the table of the Lord. Unfortunately, abusing the sacredness of the communion time it was not something new. That church wasn't the first church to do it, or the last. In the New Testament, they had already started abusing the time of the Lord's Supper. They call it the love feast. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, if you want to follow along with me, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 17, Paul writes this. He writes Corinthians to correct abuses in the church, and every chapter addresses a different one. Chapter 11 addresses the abuse of communion. In the following directives, I have no praise for you, for your meetings do more harm than good. In the first place, I hear that when you come together as a church, there are divisions among you, and to some extent I believe it. No doubt there have to be differences among you to show which of you have God's approval. So then when you come together, it's not the Lord's Supper you eat, for when you are eating, some of you go ahead with your own private suppers. As a result, one person remains hungry and another gets drunk. Do not you have homes to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God by humiliating those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you? Certainly not in this matter. So Paul writes here, and, and the remembrance, the love feast had turned into an, not a time to remember the Lord, not a time to focus on what Christ did for us with his death and burial and resurrection, not the incredible suffering that he took, but it turned into a time when they could distinguish among themselves who were the haves and the haves not. That, that those who had things were coming and they were bringing, they were bringing, uh, I started to say ham, they wouldn't do that as Jews. They, they were bringing roast and potatoes and carrots and, and, and they were having a feast and they were slapping each other on the back. And eventually they'd get around to celebrating the cup and the wine and the wine and the bread. But the others, they came in with, with sandwiches, you know, and it was a distinguished, it, it was made people feel bad. Rather than communion being a time that they were celebrating, they were celebrating and positioning themselves rather than celebrating the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. That was an abuse. And so Paul takes the next few verses and he uses the next few verses to tell us what we need to look at during communion, what we need to focus on. And I see four things in this next few ver in these next few verses that we need to focus on. The first one is we need to look back. When we take communion in a few minutes, we need to look backwards. We need to remember. First Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23, Paul says this, "For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance. Everybody say remembrance. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Whenever you drink it in remembrance of me, we have to do the drink, eat the bread and drink the cup in remembrance of the Lord. We look back and when we look back, we think about the cost of our salvation. You know, I want to thank God for those that served our country. We have, we can celebrate Memorial Day tomorrow, 
and we have the freedom to gather together in this church on this Sunday here in Knoxville because men and women have served and sacrificed so that this freedom can be ours. And if you're a veteran or serving now, would you just stand so we can honor you? Can we, We'd just like to recognize you. Can we just give them a big thank you this morning? Amen. Thank you for serving and for sacrificing. We appreciate you all so, so very much. We're here because of the blood of those that have gone before us. And Jesus says, when you do this, do it in remembrance of me. Remember my body. His body took stripes upon his back. His body suffered the humiliation of a crown of, a mock crown of thorns upon his head. His body suffered the, the piercing of the nails in his wrists and his, and his feet. He did that because he loved us. And the Bible says that because he took those stripes on his back, we're healed. And thank God for the prayer that your pastor prayed for this man in your church going through things now. Thank God I just met a sweet sister that, that just recently was in the hospital, but yet here she is in church. Thank God for his healing. And when we look back, we understand that healing came at a great cost, the cost of personal suffering and sacrifice by our Lord. We need to think about the commitment, about the commitment that the Lord went through. You know, he said this in John, he said, having loved his own, it says about him, having loved his own, he loved them to the end. He didn't give up. If there ever, he could have called, we all know the verse, he could have called 10,000 angels to come and rescue him, but he was committed not to his comfort, not to what was best for him, but to what was best for you and me. He looked at those around him and he looked at those in the future and he cried out, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And there's a commitment that kept him there on the cross. And then we look back and we think about the love. I don't know, I don't know about you, but I, I, you know, I, I, I love this congregation, but to, to say that I love you enough to give my life for you, I don't know. You know, I've never been called upon to do that. I love Nancy. I love our daughters. I, I love our granddaughters. But, you know, to, to have that kind of love, we need to think back when we hold the bread. We need to remember this is his body broken for us. When we hold the cup, we need to remember this is not just juice. This is, this is what it represents is that is the blood that Jesus shed for us, the blood that cleanses from all sin, the blood that purchased our salvation. We need to look back. And, and the reason we look back um, is because of the goodness of the Lord. It says, in Psalms 103, verse three, verse one to five. Praise the Lord, O my soul, all my inmost being. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. Who forgives all? Everybody say all. all. Who forgives all of your sins? It's not that he forgives the little ones and holds a grudge on the big ones. He forgives all your sins and heals all all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. We need to remember. We need to remember the good things. Why do we need to remember? Because it's so easy to forget. It's so easy to take advantage of things. Our daughter, that's the attorney in D.C., she's, she's been an attorney since the moment she was born. She came out arguing right there. She said, nope, mom, you did it wrong. You should have done it this way. And he presented her case. And she's always been that way since she could talk. 
And um, one time in Kentucky, we had, we'd pastored in Kentucky before we went to uh, Jackson to pastor. And, and we'd had an incredible weekend. We'd driven to Middle Tennessee to see mom and dad. On the way, we'd stopped at Opryland in Nashville, that back when the park was open. And we spent several hours there. And then we went to mom and dad's. And mom and dad live out in the country, and they had cows. That was like that was like going to Disney World for the girls. Mom always spoiled them big time. And we went to the lake, and we went swimming. And then we, on the way back through Nashville, we stopped for a few more hours at Opryland. And and we got home. We went we went to church on Sunday morning. After church, we we went out to eat. And that night after church, Jamie said, I want to go out to eat. And I said, honey, you don't understand. Daddy doesn't have any money. And she said, well, just go, go to that machine and get some out. <laughs> you know? I go, you don't understand. You got to put some in before you can get some out. I said, we, we're not going to, we're going to go home. And she sold up and she said, I never get to do anything. I hate it when she acts like my, her mom's side of the family. I just, I just hate that. She'd forgotten two trips to Opryland, a trip to the farm, a trip to the lake. She'd forgotten all that. It hadn't even been 24 hours hardly, and she forgot. And sometimes we forget that the the Lord daily loads us with his benefits. So first of all, we look back. Secondly, we look within. And the reason we look within is because we need repentance. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 27 and 28 says, so then whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the, the body and the blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine, and then notice this next word, themselves. Examine who? Themselves. Not your neighbor, not your wife. A lot of times we use communion and look over and go, man, honey, you need to get some things right. Well, the honey is, is you. You need to get some things. I need to get some things right. We examine not our neighbors but ourselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. Verse 30, that is why among many among you are weak and sick, and a few have fallen asleep. But if we were more discerning with regard to ourselves, we would not come under such judgment. Nevertheless, when we are judged in this way by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be finally condemned with the world. Paul tells us, look, in order to avoid the abuses of the Lord's Supper, you need to do some self-examination. You need to take, you need to let the Holy Spirit look within you. We need to pray the prayer of David at the end of Psalms 139 when he says, Lord, search me and know me. See if there's any wicked way in me. We do that not so that we, listen, the purpose of the inward look is conviction, not condemnation. Let me say that again. The purpose of the inward look is conviction and not condemnation. What's the difference? Conviction leaves you with hope. When the Lord points out something, and listen, almost every time I ever stop and and say, Lord, is there anything in my life? You know, he loves me enough to be honest with me. And there's, there's rarely ever any major thing. There's, you know, the the top 10, the 10 commandments or whatever. Rarely have I broken those, but there's a lot of little things. And the Bible says the little foxes spoil the vine. And if we're not careful, we can miss the little things. I had surgery back in January, the day they were invading the Capitol. Uh, The neurosurgeon was invading my brain and uh, doing, uh, um, I had trigeminal neuralgia. 
and it's just a little nerve, but it was causing an incredible amount of pain. And when I had the MRI at UT, the radiologist didn't see anything. But the neurosurgeon, when he looked at the x-rays, he saw what the radiologist didn't because he was trained in, to look in that part of the body closer than the other. And they found where the blood vessels were pressing against the nerve, and that's what was causing the brain. We need to ask, Lord, is there anything in my life? Not when, when the neurosurgeon found that, he didn't say, man, I really want to cause Randy some discomfort and some pain. I think we'll just go into his brain, see if there, see, number one, see if he has one, and that was confirmed. Not a big one, but it was confirmed I have one. And, and no, he, he did that because he wanted me to be whole. And the Lord instructed Paul to have you and me examine ourselves, to stop, to quit focusing on everybody around us, to quit paying attention to the speck in other people's eyes when we have a log in ours and focus. Why? Because he wants to heal us and he'll bring conviction. How many of you ever had somebody come up to you and they're wearing a hideous outfit? I mean, it's just, it's like the ugliest thing. And Minnie Pearl, even Minnie Pearl wouldn't have worn it. You know what I'm saying? And they go, how do you like my outfit? And you're caught. You go, ah. Or a new baby. New babies are not pretty, except mine. And uh, they were gorgeous, and my grandbabies. But you ever somebody bring a baby and go, Pastor, what do you think about this baby? I go, ha, ha, that is a baby right there. That is a baby, you know. We need friends that will speak the truth in our life. And the Holy Spirit is a friend that will speak the truth. But it's not to beat us up. The purpose of inspection is not to feel condemned, but so that we can be whole. I'll never forget one time, this was many years ago before I was married, and I was visiting my home church and was there with mom and dad visiting, and and, and I went to church, and it was a Sunday night, and there couldn't have been maybe 25 people there on that Sunday night, and the pastor preached, and they were going to celebrate communion, and he asked me to pass the communion out. Well, I rarely ever get to pass the communion out because I, I'm leading the service, and and, and so I did, and I went to the first row, and there were two people on the first row. One person took, the other one just kind of shook their head. And I went to the second row, and there were, say, three or four, and two or three of them said, no, they, they, they didn't want it to. Hardly anybody in the church participated in communion, and it was eye-opening to me. And the reason they were doing that is because they felt guilty. When, the, when they did the self-examination part, they allowed the examination to beat them up. But I'm here to tell you, the reason we examine ourselves is not to get beat up, but so we can repent. And the moment we confess those things and the moment we acknowledge our need of Christ's forgiveness, forgiveness is ours. And the guilt and the stain and the shame of our sin is behind us. So we repent, not for condemnation, but for cleansing and for healing. We look back. We look back to remember. We look within to repent. And thirdly, there's a third look. Thirdly, we look around so that we can recognize. We look around so that we can recognize. Verse 29, for those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. What does it mean to discern 
the body of Christ? Well, I think two things. Number one, I think it means that we really understand what Christ went through in his physical body for us. But I think it also means that in light of what Paul said earlier in 1 Corinthians 11, that he is saying to them, you're not discerning the spiritual body of Christ. You're not recognizing that each other, each and every one of you are the same in my family. You're making distinctions. You're, 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 you're having a class warfare going on. You're letting different th- your differences divide you. And he's saying, no, when we come to the cross, we need to remember that all everybody's equal at the foot of the cross. Everybody's in the same thing. Whether you were a wicked sinner or you were a good sinner, we're all sinners. All have fallen short. None have come close to fulfilling the righteousness that the law required. And we need to discern that. And so when we come together, there are two questions that I like to ask myself. Number one is this. Is there anyone in this room that needs my help, my love, and my support? I like to, I like to pray, but at the same time to let my mind, after I've done the self-examination, to let my mind wander and look around and, and go, Lord, is there anybody here that needs me to speak a word of encouragement into their heart? How many of you have ever had somebody come up to you just the right moment? Maybe they knew it. Maybe they didn't even know it, but they spoke something into your life that, that was revel, a revelation from heaven. It was like a rhema word from God, and it, and it brought peace, and it brought direction to you. God wants to use you to speak into other people's lives. Maybe there's someone that, that just needs a hug, that just needs a hug. I'll never forget. I hadn't, hadn't thought of this for a while, but never forget about Christy and, and Jackson and the church there. Christy was married to a guy that was, he's just a jerk. And if you think that's wrong to call him that, well, he was. If you'd known him, you'd thought you'd probably said something worse. He had no emotion towards her, no compassion. He was lazy. And Christy, on Saturday, had suffered a miscarriage. And we, Nancy and I went to the hospital, and she had just gone through a DNC, and we loved on her and prayed with her. And the next morning, she showed up in church. The next morning, I said, Christy, what are you doing here? I said, you should be in you should be in bed resting. You should be taking care of yourself. And she said, Pastor, I just knew I would get a hug if I came to church this morning. How many times there could be people around that just need a hug, that just need a word of encouragement? Second question I ask myself is this, is there anyone I need to reconcile with? Is there anyone, as, as I think about the people in my church, listen, we're all people, and, and people are going to hurt we're going to hurt each other that's just fact of life i promise you i'll never intentionally hurt you but i also promise you if you get to know me very well i can be i can be a jerk sometimes and and i may say something at the wrong moment not even realizing that i've said it and that's why we need to examine ourselves and discern the body of christ is there anyone jesus said it this way in matthew chapter 5 verse 23 therefore if you're offering your gift at the altar And there, remember that your brother or sister has something against you. Leave your gift there in front of the altar. First, everybody say first. Before you bring your offering, first, go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. Don't ever forget to bring your gift, okay? But first, 
the higher priority that even then our gifts is to reconcile with our brothers. He goes on to say, settle matters quickly with your adversary who is taking you to court. Do it while you are still together or on the way or, or, or your adversary may hand you over to the judge and the judge may hand you over to the officer and you may be thrown into prison. Truly, I tell you, you will not get out until you have paid the last penny. We need to ask ourselves, the Lord, want, he understands we're going to offend each other. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. For you to go through life offense-free, you'd be the first one. You'd be the first one ever. Offense is not an option, but what, how we handle it is. And Christ calls us at the communion time to stop and to think, is there anybody here that I need to apologize to? To say, well, they need to apologize to me. Well, the Bible says, if you remember that they have something against you, you're to go to them. Don't wait for them. Well, if they just come, if Billy Bob would just come and say he was sorry for what he said to me, I could move on. Billy Bob may never come, but God calls us to go to Billy Bob and say, hey, I just want to share with you, I, I was offended by this, and, and I've held bitterness and resentment, and, and I, I want to ask forgiveness for my part, and I want to move forward. The look back is all about remembering the cost and the commitment of Christ. The look within is about, uh, uh, or the the look within is about repenting, and the look around is about re recognizing. You realize how awesome this church is. How awesome! You don't have to be the largest church in town to be an awesome church. A church is where two or three gather together in His name. And they love one another and they're committed to one another. And then fourth, the look ahead. The look ahead. And this is all about rejoicing. Rejoicing. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 26. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Everybody say until. Until he comes. It's not just about looking back at the cross. It's about looking forward to his coming. And that is a thing that makes us shout. I want you to be ready to rejoice and shout the victory as we receive the bread and the juice this morning because they not only point back at the cross, they point ahead to the Lord's second coming. Acts chapter 2, verse 11, Jesus has just ascended into heaven and the angel says to the disciples standing there with their mouth open in amazement, he says to them, uh, men of Galilee, they say, why do, you, who, uh, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. And when we hold the elements, it, COVID's been rough for everybody. It's just been tough, tough time. I told the pastor that followed me, we, um, he came on and we worked together in a transition time for three months. And then we retired, moved here. And then three months later, the church shut down with COVID. And he sang me that song, you picked a fine time to leave me, Lucille, you know. I mean, it's been rough for him. When we were back there a couple of weeks ago, great spirit in the church and a lot of good things happening, but the attendance is down, you know. And that's, that's been the norm in most churches. It's been a tough time. It's been a tough time. And it's easy to let gloom, despair. It's easy to turn into hee-haw Christians. Gloom, despair, and agony on me. Deep, dark depression, excessive misery. If it weren't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. Yesterday, yesterday, I, um, we're getting ready to do a project tomorrow. 
uh, planting some bushes along the side of our house. And we, we'd gone to Lowe's to get the border bricks and some other stuff. And, and um, when we got home, I told Nancy to back my car out of the garage. She backed my car out. And where my car had been sitting, there was a whole puddle of transmission fluid. The day, on Thursday, I had just had the transmission fluid change. And uh, we had driven to Manchester and back, and and uh, I'm just thankful it didn't happen on the on the road. But I mean, it's it's empty of transmission. They're coming to get it Monday, and uh, or Tuesday, and uh, and th so we had that. And then we we went to get some stuff, and and we stopped at Muya's Burgers, and uh, first time we've ever eaten in at Muya's Burger. And I'm looking at the bill, and somehow I left the, the bill was twenty one dollars, and I left them a three. $179.23 tip on the, on, and I go, this, I go, I try to be generous, but man, this is, this is something. And I go back up there and, and they, they, it's still, I, I checked this morning. It's still $400 on my, on my visa, but they're going to fix it. They're going to fix it. How many you ever had one of those days you woke up and man, you said, I'm going back to sleep, you know? I'm telling you, when you come together at the communion table, that's why I like to celebrate it often, because it causes us to stop. Life is too busy. Life is crazy. And if we're not careful, we'll never look back. We'll never remember what Christ went through. We'll never look within. We'll never look around. We'll, we'll never look ahead. And he says, look, when you come together, and let me just give you a little clue. You don't have to be in church to have communion. I heard a preacher say one time he had communion every day. He said, no matter where he was, he'd, he said, even if it was just a cracker and, and a cup of water, he'd stop and he'd take communion because of what it meant to him. And I want you to know good things are about to happen. Good things are about to happen. COVID will not have the last word. Did you hear me? COVID will not have the last word. The economy will not have the last word. The world's political system will not have the last word. It ain't over till the fat lady sing, and it ain't over then. It ain't over till Christ proclaims that it's over. And guess what? He's never going to proclaim it's over. Because even when this world comes to an end as we know it now, he's creating a new heavens and a new earth, and we're just going to continue on. Praise the Lord. We need to lift up our heads and rejoice. Lift up our, everybody hold your fork up. This is an old story now. I first heard it 21 and a half years ago. You can put it down. Just hold it when you're here. Pardon? I, I know. I Put it down. <laughs> I just like to see if I have power, you know. Put it up. All right, raise, raise those hands right now. All right, put them down, put them down. But I heard this story, and you've probably heard it, but it's such a great story. It's a story about a lady who was elderly, and her time was very short, and she knew that. She called her pastor and said, come, I want to make my final arrangements. So the pastor went to visit her and, and uh, sat down with her, and she said, I want these songs, and he wrote them out and said, I want these guys to serve as pallbearers, and he wrote it out, and I'd like for you to share this scripture, and he wrote it out. And he wrote every detail that, that she could think of, and, and finally when he'd written everything down, he looked at her and said, is there anything else? And she said, yeah, there's one more thing. She said, when I'm laying in the casket and people are passing by, I want you to put a fork in my hand. And he said, a fork? 
said, that's, that's unusual. What, what in the world? Why would I put a fork in your hand? He said, because when I was a little girl, every Sunday after church, we'd go to grandma's house and grandma would fix a big lunch. She'd have roast and potatoes and carrots. She'd have fried chicken. She'd have green beans and fresh corn and fresh tomato. And we'd eat until we thought we couldn't eat anymore. And after we'd full, so full, we thought our tummies were going to burst. Said grandma would, would come by and she'd take my plate and she'd lean down and whisper, keep your fork, honey. Something better's coming. And he said, when she kept that fork, when she said that, keep your forks up, I knew what she meant. It meant that she was bringing out the cherry pie and the pecan pie and the apple pie because something better was coming. I want you to hold that fork and I want you to look. Don't, 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 don't let the COVID year that we've had ruin your faith. Don't let it steal your hope. Too many people had the hope kicked out of them last year. You need to keep your fork and remember, God said something better's coming. God's going to win. History's final chapter has been written. And in the end of the Bible, it says we win because he is king of kings and he is Lord of lords. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. And thank you for what your word means to us, Lord. And we pray today, Lord, that you would help us to take these next few minutes to take these four looks, the look within, the look backwards, Lord. Lord, the look around and the look ahead. God, help us to leave here filled with hope. God, as we look within, if there's anything in our life that needs to be forgiven, thank you, Lord, that you said in your word, Lord, if if we confess our sins, that you are faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness.